You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is Mark Necke, CEO and co-founder of STS Education, which partners with schools to enhance student outcomes and achieve education goals through technology. His journey in EdTech started in 2001 as a home-based business, providing refurbished computers to schools. Mark has expanded the company offerings to include complete solutions for modern learning and now has over 50 employees. For seven years, STS Education has been on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies. Additionally, Mark has led the company to be one of the largest resellers for interactive displays for education, as one of the largest suppliers of refurbished computers, earning the elite designation as a Microsoft authorized refurbisher. And Mark, you know, I've, I've wanted to have you on the Remote Possibilities uh, podcast series already, but it was uh, a post you put up on LinkedIn this week that really wanted me to um, get a sense of urgency and get you on the line. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And uh, the piece, if, if you don't mind, I might uh, introduce it to our listeners. Uh, you put up, it was involving the, uh, the nationwide laptop shortage um, that is presenting a challenge as the back to school nears. Now, that has been in the news, um, but... You know, your provocative piece kind of went in a little bit deeper um, into that. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll just take a little bit of an excerpt here where you say, you know, the whole world is vying for devices from the same supply pool. Vendors who are trying to entice you to jump to their ship with claims of having stock on hand or faster delivery are merely looking to steal purchase orders. Once you have committed to purchasing from them, their story regarding availability will change and you will realize you have been moved to the back of the line. Um, so that's pretty um, provocative stuff. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about where you're coming from uh, when you talk about that. Well, first of all, you know, I actually, before I got on this uh, the podcast with you, I was on with uh, Lenovo because they were giving us an update on their situation. And uh, if you're not familiar or your audience isn't familiar their factory was shut down by the U.S. government, essentially saying we won't accept any goods manufactured in this particular plant in China. So they've been scrambling to reset up their production, which they've done. Um, when they're fully online, um, they tell me that they'll be able to produce 1.2 million Chromebooks a month. And they still don't think they'll get, they'll only get about two thirds of the way through their backlog by the end of the year. Right. So if you were to place a brand new order with them, Today, you're looking at the end of January before you're going to get, realistically, any of your Chromebooks. Uh, HP, Dell's quoting January, February. HP, a little bit better situation. You know, you probably can still get something in December, so before the before 2021 hits. But the bottom line is there's a huge amount of um, backlog. If you've read, read any of the recent articles, you're, you're seeing as many as 5 million devices are on back order for schools that are waiting. I think the number is much higher than that. Um, but the bottom line is I, I also have very good customers. So they send me emails they get from other vendors who are claiming they have stuff coming in in September. 
oh, you know, and if you give us your order, you can get in line. And um, I'm just cautioning schools not to believe them until they have product in hand. You know, I, I started I started these podcasts back in, in May, and a lot of the first conversations um, we talked about with ed tech uh, CEOs and, and companies were really kind of talking about how the industry really stepped up to help schools um, in those first weeks and months in terms of offering free services and, uh, you know, extending contracts with no cost or even, you know, giving out, uh, you know, free materials, free curriculum. Um, this is an example, though, have, have we kind of gone back to kind of a cutthroat business as usual? I mean, I feel very conflicted here, and I, I understand the temptation from vendors to finally get their due with the school districts they work with um, by raising prices, by extending, you know, lead times. I mean... Listen, in this industry, I've worked with – I have a school district right across the street from me, a very large school district. Literally, I could walk from my parking lot to theirs. I spend endless hours over there consulting with them and recommending. And when it comes down to purchasing, they go out to bid. And I, if I'm not a penny less expensive, I get no consideration for the work I've done to help them get to the point where they've made that decision. They'll buy from somebody else. So I understand the temptation of vendors to say, now I can finally get my money, especially when it comes to Chrome. Most people probably are aware that we don't make a ton of money selling Chrome devices. You know, we only make money if we're able to attach some sort of level of services behind that, the white glove treatments, um, some of the software that goes along with it. But the, the margin on Chromebooks themselves are very, very slim. And there's always big companies who are willing to sell them for next to nothing on top of that. So um, I understand the temptation. At the same time, I see kind of the seedy side of our industry coming out where people are taking using this as an opportunity to to sell above list price, blame it on the shortage. They know the schools aren't going to complain. If they can get them to the product, they'll pay for it. I just, um, I don't, you know, we certainly, our response is, I haven't, I've stopped discounting, certainly, but I haven't gone above MSRP, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I don't feel that I should, you know. Um, but I've seen some crazy, crazy things in the in the market, even on the refurbished end, where I see refurbished Chromebooks selling for two or three times the cost of a brand new one because someone has wow. it in stock, and they know schools are willing to pay yeah. for it. So, yeah, and I don't know. It's it's a uh, I understand the temptation, but I'm not really pleased with what I'm seeing from the, from the industry. That's amazing. So in, in your piece, you also kind of speak out to, to districts and district leaders. And uh, we have listeners that are both um, you know, district administrators as well as fellow uh, ed tech executives. Uh, and you offer a number of uh, tips uh, to ignore false promises, to, to stay in line, beware of price gouging. Could go into a little bit of detail on, on those tips you have for uh, potential customers. Well, again, ignore the false promises, right? I think if your system allows you to cut a second PO and not cancel the first, you should do that. Like for us, I understand what's happening and I and I don't blame a school if they have if they've got supply in hand and they want to cancel an order. So be it. You know, there's plenty of demand that I'll end up selling those devices to somebody else. So, um, but if you're able to give that other vendor who's making those promises a PO without canceling your PO with your current vendor, I recommend you do that and only cancel your original PO when you have product in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and thereby you accomplish the first two points that I, I put, which is false promises and stay in line, right? right. Uh, the price gouging I kind of just addressed, um, you know, the temptation is I need product and I understand that there's um, almost sometimes more politics involved than than sound business decisions. And if you could wait, you would, but you can't. So you're going to pay whatever you can because parents are screaming. Um, I just think it just encourages um, bad behavior on the on the part of ed tech providers. So to the extent you can avoid it, or even in some cases, I've reported it to the manufacturers when I've seen it, because I just don't think it's right. I, I uh, encourage you to do that. Um, the, uh, the Another tip was consider alternatives to laptops. Yeah. The one thing that is not in short supply is desktops. There are plenty of those. So if you can use a Chromebox or a or a Windows desktop instead of a laptop, those I think you can get really, really quickly. Um, and then resource distribution, right? Does everyone really need a computer? Um, redeploying um, old machines that you might have and, and extending their life somehow. We provide like extended life services where we can just either refurbish your Windows machine and upgrade it to Windows 10, put faster uh, hard drive in there, or even using a piece of software like Neverware where you can convert a Chrome, uh, an old Windows device into a Chrome device for really inexpensively is just another option. So if you have a fleet of your own machines that you can you can convert, great. If you um, you know we will take older machines and we'll do the conversions as well. Um, th there's one tip I didn't put on there, which is um, a lot of schools because they're in a budget crunch are just buying the device and not considering the deployment. And when you're buying a couple of thousand. Chromebooks and you're trying to get it past the budget process, great. So you're not asking whoever's delivering them to you to do all the enrollment in Google. Um, I just think you should consider um, letting your vendor do that. Like for instance, we're set up to do it. I can do over a thousand machines a day and I've worked with plenty of tech departments. There's no, a lot of their technicians don't have the same sense of urgency and um, either because they're with a union or for whatever reason, and I know that they're going to do about 25% the output that we are. So if you're going to wait six, eight, 10 weeks for Chromebooks and then have to wait another month to deploy them to everybody, I think you're just going to get yourself into more hot water. You may, may want to consider outsourcing the enrollment to your provider. Got it. Of the devices. Got it. Now, is this, a, as far as you know, a, a, a U.S. problem or is this something that's a problem internationally? No, uh, Kevin, it's a it's a global issue. I mean, there's a worldwide shortage of devices and we have millions and millions of kids being affected because everybody's going to remote, remote learning. Um, and it's not just, again, with the device, um, there's a shortage of hotspots, right? There's a lot of internet access issues. There's still, I think I read something like 38% of kids in the United States um, have difficulty connecting to the internet at home still, right? So it's there's a big issue around equity especially in poorer neighborhoods. Um, so I just feel for, uh, I feel for the, for the administrators and educators because they have a big job on their hands. I really feel for the students, especially the younger students. I think this is something that could potentially affect them for the rest of their lives, right? The ones that are just starting, to, starting school. Yeah, and it, you know, it really, the, the pandemic has uh, exposed, you know, to go back to the, just look at the U.S., the you know the the school district system, and you know the multi layers of administration that we have, um, but really the the virus was able to pick 
underneath it and expose um, those flaws. I mean, it comes down to a district by district decision with a lot of both the remote learning as well as device distribution and things like that. It might seem to me that that falls a little bit to giving responsibility to the ed tech industry, whether that be the the, the, the telecoms who are offering the access and the, the manufacturers who are creating the devices. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, the one thing that has really surprised me is how unprepared these global corporations were for something of this magnitude, right? Yeah. No one had, even Zoom, right? They're, they're still not in a position where they were ready for the first day of school and their system crashed. Right. It just blows me away. We had a school district in Georgia that had... Um, their whole system crashed because five teachers forgot to log off of Zoom and the chat box stayed open, right? And their whole system crashed. Yeah. So they, they're so, no one seems to have been prepared to any, even in you know, Lenovo, I'm just shocked that they didn't have a backup manufacturing plan in place. Right, right. You know, so I don't know. Well, so, but, so... I'm I'm desperate to find the glass half full in this situation. Like, where where do we go from here? I mean, what 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 are the steps that the industry can take um, to address these things? Well, you know, the the positive news is this is going to accelerate the one to one initiative, right? Right. It's 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 not going to be acceptable to say we're going back to normal when the pandemic's over. This will accelerate one to one. Eventually, everyone will figure it out. Right now, though. Everyone's just concerned with getting people online. I almost feel like the quality of the instruction is not important right now. Right. Like that's that's phase two. Right. 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 So 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 providers like us, we do have a hard time talking about any any um, solutions other than here's a device or a hotspot because the, the people don't have time to hear it right now. But we'll get to the point where those things are. Um, more relevant. At some point, the schools will get back to the business of actually educating the students, not just getting them online. And they'll be more concerned about things like proctoring, right? Yeah. How do you how do you keep people honest online? Um, things like um, just the quality of the education, are the kids engaged? And then at some point, of course, the, the next problem will be when these devices all come back into school, most schools networks are not prepared to handle this many devices connecting to the internet. So mm. I think for the ed tech industry, I think, you know, we're going to see uh, some good business here for the next 18 to 24 months. Um, and I think the schools will figure it out. I mean, they're they're smart people. They're just going to have to start thinking a little bit differently. And it's amazing to me that after years of hearing, it's not in the budget. I can't get this approved. I can't get that approved. I can get a million dollar PO in 24 hours from the school <laughs> right. district who told me they had no money at all. Yeah. Right. So, um, so they'll adapt and... You know, I hope for our kids' sake they figure it out. Yeah. But I, I, I know that um, I've been reading online a lot of um, kids are going to homeschooling, you know, yep. and um, that's going to affect districts' budgets in the long term. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've heard, um, you know, kind of on that flip side, uh, a number of almost heroic stories of tech directors getting into their cars and you know driving around handing out hotspots and, and and devices and as you were talking about in terms of you know uh, doing a complete refurb of some stuff that's out in a, in a closet do you have any of those stories from your customers i mean i've heard all kinds of things from people setting up school buses with wi-fi in them in their parking lots so kids could connect to the same kind of stories you're hearing i mean 
there's one thing I don't think anyone can can say is that they're not working hard because they are. They're working harder than ever, and um, they're working around the clock. Um, most of my customers are extremely tired and uh, extremely stressed. And you know, from a the good news is when I call them with bad news, I go, I'm just going to chalk this up to it being 2020. Like they <laughs> right. don't get they don't get mad at you anymore, you know, because they well, like I've heard it like 10 pieces of bad news today, so yeah. this is just another one I'm going to lump on the list. Yeah. Um, but I think the strong companies will benefit the strong school districts. You know, the ones that have really decided that partnering with vendors um, and vice versa, vendors partnering with school districts is a much better way to go than just shopping strictly based on price without having any real relationship um, with customers. Do you think the district um, the district level buy is, is, is still the same, you know, is, is the way to go? I mean, I was reading about how California stepped up and is, is putting out, you know, a, a million devices. It's devoted a million devices out to the, to the state schools. Uh, um, you know what? I, I, I look at those with, as a big skeptic, um, yeah. you know, Google was donating all these devices. You know what? They go into the board of ed, the board of ed can't figure out how to distribute them and who to give priority to. They call all the school districts. How many do you think you would need? You know, I've heard the stories from my customers. Yeah. And by the time they get the devices out, it's months have gone by. Months. Because yeah. the bureaucracy just weighs it down. So, yeah, but so hey, if you can get free devices, get them. I think um, the better route is to partner with private industry. I just got an email uh, that Edison was going to donate 600 laptops to one of their local schools. Oh, okay. All right. So you would... You- recommending kind of at a district level, you know, if you're in need to do a, to a reach out to your, to your local community industry, uh, just to see if they can't step up. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think, yes, if you can partner with your community, if you have strong community ties, if you can work with your chamber of commerce, um, you know, somebody out there has equipment that's just sitting there that you can use. Yes. It, uh, it does give you another layer of comp- layer of complexity because it might not be a device you're familiar with or even like to that matter. Now you have another device you have to repair and be an expert on. I get it, but yeah. it's desperate times, desperate measures. Right. Right. How about in, in terms of desperate times, um, talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on when you're talking about bringing the devices back into school and getting on the networks. What about, um, you know, the use of uh, firewalls and networks, and especially when you're doing a refurb um, sort of install, are those things that you could kind of maybe look over considering the circumstances? Well, I mean, we already know that most school districts are, um, you know, are not that secure. That's why there's such big targets for cybersecurity attacks. And uh, we, we also know that student data is way more valuable than an adult's data because of how long that person has, you know, how young they are. They have no credit history. So it's very valuable on the black market. So I definitely think they'll continue to be targets. Um, I think there's a lot of articles lately about the security of uh, personal data with remote learning on top of it, right? There's still a lot of, you hear the Zoom meetings getting hacked. There's a lot of issues around privacy and security that I don't think have been addressed. And I'm I'm sure we're going to continue to hear um, horror stories. I just read one yesterday where they uh, suspended online learning at a school district because they because they were hacked. You know, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be prevalent. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything they can do about it. They're not prepared for it. Right, 
Right. So it's just another uh, example of kind of being left unawares and then and unprepared. I don't know if they're unaware, honestly. I, I don't want to I, I don't think they're naive. I think that they've prioritized their budget and the network is not a priority until someone hacks you. Mm-hmm. Because I know that the CTOs I talk to are shouting from the rooftops that they need to upgrade their network security. And the response a lot of times is there's no money. Right, right. Now, when you when you look at the horizon here, um, is this a short term issue that can be solved or is this something that we need to, to buckle up because it's going to be a, a years long sort of initiative? I mean, I believe that. Um, you know, from a, from our standpoint, we're we're anticipating demand to be high through this entire school year. You know, and then and then then we'll see. It could drop off the cliff cliff after that, right? No one, everyone has devices, and no one needs anything, right? Right. <laughs> or nobody has money to buy anything else, <laughs> right? Well, right. And we, I guess we just have to keep an eye on the virus too, right? I mean, if it's um, you know, the the, the best case scenarios for uh, our living. Might be the the worst case scenario is that we you know we'd actually all just kind of go back to normal and everybody would go back to school without devices and we'd still be stuck in our our, our digital equity hole. Yeah, it's um, it's a dangerous conversation to have because we start delving into politics, right? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone has their has their point of view. But you're right. What happens um, to our our normal if if we don't come up with a cure? You know, we're we gonna huddle in our houses for the rest of our lives, right? Um, it's going to change society dramatically. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'm fine. Like my routine, you know, hasn't changed. I go hiking, biking, I go to work, I take my dogs for a walk, but the young kids are the ones who I think um, their life is just being altered dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting hit. Well, in each of my episodes, I, I, I try to end on a high note. <laughs> this has been a this has been a great conversation. I appreciate um, you know your frankness, uh, and it's kind of you know you're you're kind of sounding a, a bit of an alarm, which um, I kind of felt a responsibility to kind of relay out to our listeners. So, but uh, to, well, to kind of finish things up, um, do you, do you have kind of a, a glass half full for me? Oh no, I'm I'm optimistic. Look. Um, I enjoy this market because many of my customers are my friends and um, I know they're doing the best they can. I know they, I know that they, they care. You know what I mean? Like the people, the people on the ground, you know, they have a lot of passion for what they're doing. They don't get paid enough to, to, to deal with something like this, but they're still doing it. Right. You know, so the, the, I guess the, the half full is um, you really find out that the people that most of the people that are educating our students are, are high character people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's good to see. Well, that's good. That makes me feel better. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, you know, thank you very much for taking your time uh, to join me today. Anytime. I appreciate it. Kevin. And thanks to the listeners for uh, tuning in. Uh, I hope you come back and click around and find another episode of remote possibilities soon. Mm-hmm.